Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Digital Switch. Uh, I believe we're in month 37 of quarantine. Is that right, Sonia? I know. I think it's actually 90-something days now. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> it, it certainly seems that way, but I hope everybody is staying safe and uh, following uh, health guidelines. But uh, we're excited because we have Gangesh on the show today. So tell us a little bit more about that, Sonia. Well, um, we've had Gangesh on previously, so we're really excited to welcome him back. He's the president and CEO of Peer Nova. So Gangesh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, great to have you guys uh, you know, with me today. Uh, just excited to be part of the show. So if you're a repeat listener, you know that recently we've been really focused on discussing the importance of data governance. And one of the key pieces of data governance is data quality. So in this episode, we're really going to deep dive into the topic. Um, Gangesh, if we could go ahead and break down data quality for our listeners, um, that would be great. What exactly makes a piece of data high quality? Well, uh, you know, within uh, the context of uh, the the broader positioning that we have in active data governance, uh, data quality, we kind of cover it in the three C's. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, correctness, completeness, and consistency of data. Now, in general, uh, within the financial industry, uh, which is our target market, uh, what we mean when we say data quality is the following. Uh, let's say that there is a, a regulatory report that's being created uh, and some person uh, or a group is responsible for filing this regulatory report. It could be a regulatory report like uh, the quarterly financial statements of the uh, of the financial institution. Uh, it could be something that you submit to SEC, uh, the quarterly earnings, uh, or it could be any number of other regulatory reports uh, that go to various regulatory bodies uh, around the world. In each of these cases, before submitting the regulatory report, there is a group of people that are absolutely validating that every piece of information that goes in as part of the regulatory report, it could be a risk report, uh, it could be the financial statement itself, uh, it could be uh, any other kind of an audit or a compliance report uh, related to, say, AML, uh, anti-money laundering, uh, know your customer type laws. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, liquidity, covenant, uh, other types of uh, uh, reports that the Federal Reserve and European Central Bank uh, require. In all of these cases, the regulatory and compliance groups within the large financial institutions uh, are uh, going through this data with a fine-tooth comb to ensure the correctness of the data. Uh, and when uh, when we say data quality, what we are uh, basically uh, making an assertion on is that when such end users uh, inside a, a large enterprise, like a financial institution, are using it for an important uh, application, the correctness of the data is guaranteed. Uh, there is also additional guarantees around uh, the completeness of it, uh, that it is the complete set of data that they're using for creating uh, this type of uh, an application. Uh, and also that the data is consistently represented uh, in the same way uh, across all their different internal applications and systems. So this is sort of broadly what we mean when we say uh, data quality within this uh, within this context. So, Gangesh, obviously, the data is so important to every organization of every size, uh, pretty much everywhere today. But particularly since we're talking about enterprise, um, what are some of the challenges that they face uh, that they still haven't quite solved, if that makes sense? 
Yeah, I think uh, the term data quality needs itself uh, a little bit of expansion and uh, explanation here. Uh, you know, one way to think about data quality, uh, the simplest way, is to say that there are errors in the data, and for whatever reason, these errors have come about, uh, and the errors could have come about because you know systems made some errors, uh, people entered the data wrongly, there are some manual workflows, and these manual workflows resulted in uh, occasionally some incorrect piece of data being captured or enriched or modified in some place. So uh, that is one type of data quality challenge that uh, institutions have. Uh, modern applications and systems uh, are pretty sophisticated and there's a lot of automated tools uh, that you can use for helping uh, catch this kind of errors. The Pionova's uh, Cuneiform platform, for example, uh, catches this kind of uh, data quality issues. Uh, and so, you know, this is one type of uh, data quality issue that uh, institutions still struggle from. The second type of data quality issue that institutions have is uh, slightly more complex. If you think about a large enterprise uh, consisting of lots and lots of different applications, workflows uh, that they have, these applications and workflows end up storing data in many different uh, databases uh, and many different storage systems. Uh, each of these applications and uh, in workflows uh, sometimes is representing data in different ways. So, uh, for example, uh, one system uh, might actually store the data in a, a format uh, that is appropriate for itself. It's a database. Uh, it might be stored in an internal database format that's appropriate for that database. Uh, yet another application might be, uh, you know, taking that data uh, and then, uh, you know, modifying it, doing a few other transformations on it uh, before passing it along to yet another downstream application. Uh, in in those interfaces uh, where data is exchanged from one application to the other application, uh, you know, usually result in, uh, you know, some kind of data format changes. So a uh, first application might store the data in some JSON format, for example. Uh, the second application might actually be uh, very strongly schemered, uh, which means there is a schema associated with this data. Uh, and so the schema itself may be represented using Avro. Uh, it could have JSON underneath it, uh, but uh, it's represented in an Avro JSON format. Uh, and then a third application could actually be a legacy application and uh, it really doesn't uh, read JSON. Uh, it reads either in XML or it reads data in CSV format. So the second application uh, exports the data in the form of a CSV. And when you export data in the form of CSV, uh, a lot of the uh, schema uh, information uh, is removed and stripped and the data is somewhat flattened and goes to the third application. Now, what you can see here, uh, you know, uh, as a challenge for the institution is that each of the three applications, one represented data in JSON format, another in an Avro format, and yet uh, a third was reading data in uh, CSV format. Uh, part of the challenge in data quality is to ensure that all three are representing the underlying object uh, in the same correct way, uh, even though the formats of the data are different. And, and so... You know, large enterprises have struggled with this problem for a long time, particularly because they have lots of legacy applications. Uh, they have lots of new applications. Uh, and each application represents data in forms that is appropriate for itself, uh, relational stores, uh, key value stores, big data, uh, uh, you know, uh, CSV formats, uh, XML formats, JSON formats. Uh, there's a myriad of uh, formats, including custom binary formats uh, that they have. And uh, one solution that's been proposed for this kind of data quality uh, has been uh, a, a general concept in the industry that's called data canonicalization. And uh, canonicalization means having a uniform representation for the data. 
so, uh, you know, one 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 challenge that enterprise does have faced is that uh, data canonicalization isn't exactly an easy problem given all this uh, legacy format. So this is a second type of a, a, a data quality challenge that uh, uh, enterprises have faced. There is a third one, which is actually a really complex one. Um, and there, uh, the data quality is uh, a challenge uh, because the business representation of the data is different across different systems. So I'll give you a simple example to kind of illustrate this point. Uh, there could be, uh, you know, two institutions, call it institution A and institution B. Um, and institution A, uh, you know, uh, and institution B do a lot of different, uh, you know, transactions between each other. And all these transactions are netted together uh, and uh, show up in institutions B's book uh, as a single transaction. So uh, an example could be, uh, let's say, two banks, there's JP Morgan and Citi. Uh, there's lots of clients that Citi has and lots of clients that JP Morgan has. And clients from JP Morgan are transferring money to uh, clients in Citi because they're all doing various things for each other. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the transactions between JP Morgan and Citi could be represented as a single line saying uh, the total transaction volume between Citi and JP Morgan today is, say, $100 million. Now, in one system, it could be represented that way uh, as a single line, $100 million. Uh, it's, a, it's a netted, compressed single line. But if you click on it and you expand it, uh, you will see the transactions of every single individual uh, line uh, that together made up that $100 million. There could be thousands of transactions uh, that together made up this $100 million. Uh, in one system, uh, in JP Morgan, uh, they could have it represented as a single line. In another system, they could have it uh, in this, uh, what I would say, uncompressed raw format. And there are various other systems in which they could have various intermediate states. They could say uh, all the transactions that were done using checks, all the transactions that were done using credit cards, all the transactions that were done using wire transfers. Uh, and they may have grouped it like this. And each system has a partial view of the data. Uh, and so when institutions talk about data quality, uh, they now are trying to find out whether all these representations across these different systems, uh, one where it's compressed and netted, one in which it's shown in entire raw form, another in which it's showed in various, um, you know, aggregated forms, but aggregation metrics are different based on what the system is. Are they all correct? So uh, enterprises have struggled with the concept of data quality because all these three different challenges exist for them. Uh, and just to repeat them again, the first one is simply data quality errors because there are just errors that crept in because of manual workflows and the like. The second one is because of format differences and you wanna verify whether those format differences are correctly uh, represented across different systems. Uh, date in one system may be represented in month, day, year. In another system, maybe day, month, year. Are they are they actually representing the same date? Uh, so that's the second kind of uh, challenge. And in the third one, it's the business representation of the data itself may be different, and you want to make sure that they're all uh, correct. Uh, so this is the reason why data quality has ended up being a, a really big challenge because uh, you have to cover for all of these three cases and traditional tools have tried to cover partly, you know, use case number one, uh, which is the, the the thing we talked about, which is just plain simple error where you can do things like machine learning. 
uh, possibly. Uh, in uh, two, which is data, uh, you know, kind of format differences, which is where most of the traditional data quality and reconciliation tools come in. Uh, three, which is much more complex uh, because you are now trying to understand the business logic that actually encoded the data uh, and to top it off, there are format differences as well. So uh, this is why enterprises have continued to struggle with data quality challenges. So we've also had quite a few guests on our show recently talking about the importance of data quality for regulatory compliance. Um, we had Mike on to talk about MIFID, RAGU for CCAR, and then Harpal for BCBS. But Gangesh, as you mentioned in your definition of data quality, it's really key to avoiding fines and submitting accurate reports to these regulators. But if we look beyond compliance, why else is data quality so critical for an enterprise? Yeah, so uh, it's a great question, right? Is data quality all about reg reporting? And the answer is no, reg reporting is a very, very small piece of data quality. If you step back and look at it, uh, you know, data quality is sort of uh, essential for any business decision uh, that the enterprise is making. Uh, let's take an enterprise and the enterprise is actually uh, tracking its sales reports. Um, and part of the sales report process, uh, they're looking at, uh, you know, uh, each, uh, you know, sales region. Uh, they're looking at uh, how the salesperson's um, performance uh, over the last uh, quarter, last year uh, has been. Uh, they're then trying to track commissions for each of the salespeople. Uh, now, uh, this enterprise is uh, a little more complex. Uh, there are inside salespeople working for the company. Uh, they have outside people uh, that have different contracts. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes these payments are based on, uh, you know, metrics and milestones they've attained. Uh, so straight away, you start seeing uh, that uh, data quality is, uh, is, is very important uh, for tracking this very, very important business functions, sales reporting. Uh, now, you can sort of stretch and look at any enterprise function, uh, you know, the, the CFO performs, the salesperson performs, or any operational business leader wants to perform, uh, and all of them rely on, uh, you know, making sure that the data is correct, consistent, uh, and complete. Um, and, and lastly, the data is timely, yeah? Uh, not only does the data need to be correct, consistent, and complete, uh, it also needs to be available at the right time. Uh, you know, some things are needed immediately, some things are needed end of day, uh, and some things are needed, uh, you know, uh, on an hourly basis, uh, you know, or, or a, on a by-minute basis. Uh, so, uh, you know, any business decision to the first order requires uh, correct data that is made available to the uh, relevant business person inside the enterprise uh, at the right time. Um, and data quality checks are needed. And ideally, what you want is an ability to run these data quality checks uh, automatically um, and uh, in a continuous fashion so that any time uh, when any business function is performed and any business user wants to make a decision, uh, they are uh, using the correct data. Uh, an even more uh, complex example, but is very easy to understand, is uh, you know cash positions uh, in enterprises uh, and in the financial institutions. Very easy to explain. Uh, financial institutions have liquidity, uh, cash, um, and uh, available. Uh, let's say you take an institution like Citi, uh, and uh, there is an M&A transaction happening. Um, and, uh, you know, let's say uh, one company uh, in the U.S. is trying to buy a company in Europe. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, for company A that's trying to buy company B, uh, you know, for company A, Citi is the banker. 
Yeah. So they come to their bank and say, hey, today we want to complete this transaction. And this transaction is partly done with cash and, and stock, you know, as the press release is announcing. Well, what does that mean? That means Citi is actually providing cash at that particular moment uh, to, uh, to uh, you know, Enterprise A. So Citi immediately needs to kind of make sure that that cash is available for Enterprise A, wherever Enterprise A is located. Enterprise A may be in U.S., in which case they need to make sure that U.S. dollar is available. Uh, if uh, Enterprise A is actually located, uh, you know, somewhere else, say in Australia, uh, they need to make sure that the cash is available in the form of Australian dollars. Yeah. Now, all of this means that, uh, you know, when uh, financial institutions are looking to make uh, any kind of big transactions uh, or any kind of transaction at all, for that matter, uh, they're constantly making sure that the right kind of liquidity is available for them in the right, you know, possibly currency in the right form, uh, you know, at that particular moment. So this means, again, uh, they'll need to look across multiple applications, multiple databases, multiple systems, uh, and globally, uh, you know, they could have thousands of applications and their cash position is actually a netted sum across all of these different things, uh, different um, applications and uh, needs to go through rigorous quality uh, checks before they can actually make the transaction, uh, you know, uh, complete it, settle it. And so, you know, all of these uh, applications require, uh, you know, data quality. And so data quality is not just about, you know, submitting the right data to regulators uh, and, and, and relevant audit and compliance folks. That is one use, uh, but it's practically used uh, every day across every uh, enterprise, uh, not just financial institutions. Uh, and any operational business decision uh, needs correct data to make sure that uh, the right uh, decisions are being taken uh, and the right actions are being performed. So you mentioned ongoing data quality checks. If we talk about that a little more, one of the more prevalent challenges from what I've learned um, about ensuring perpetual data quality is having it across the entire enterprise versus just these individual silos. So if we talk about data governance as a whole, can you elaborate a little more on how enterprises can ensure and achieve this end-to-end -end data quality? Yeah, so, you know, one of the challenges that's happened, you know, uh, obviously enterprises have grown uh, in the last, uh, you know, 20, 30 years, uh, you know, with, with uh, new information technology, internet technologies, mobile technologies, and the like coming in. And uh, the application framework uh, that they have is fairly complex. Uh, you know, in most of these applications have been built over, you know, uh, similar timeframes, tens of years. Um, and uh, when the applications were all built, uh, you know, they obviously met some very specific business purpose. Uh, but uh, as time has evolved, uh, it's been hard to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, the latest, uh, you know, uh, requirements are met by those old applications. So there inherently is a challenge uh, with, uh, you know, using newer applications uh, with, uh, you know, existing legacy applications. It's just sort of the reality uh, of, uh, of modern uh, large enterprises. What has happened also is that, uh, you know, enterprises have uh, had to acquire uh, other companies um, and, uh, you know, in the process of acquisition, they bring in uh, entirely a new company and that company may have had uh, different IT systems, different software, different stacks. Um, and, you know, some of this has been, you know, reasonably well merged. Uh, you know, some of it is uh, probably, you know, uh, relying on some kind of interface formats between the two. They've kept the old application on the other side uh, from the acquired entity uh, and uh, somehow transfer the data back and forth between uh, the older systems or the other acquired party systems and the acquiring party systems. So uh, they've had to do things like that. 
Now, uh, in the process, what, what has ended up happening is that, uh, you know, end-to-end -end view and visibility of data uh, is uh, really hard to get because uh, there are so many different, uh, you know, organizational, uh, you know, structures, uh, you know, in particularly uh, as legal entities and, uh, and the like uh, are also required as companies expand into new geographies. Uh, let's say, uh, you know, you're expanding into Japan um, and you set up a legal entity in Japan. Uh, now, the enterprise has to uh, maintain a set of books uh, that are appropriate for the Japanese legal entity. Uh, that means they have to have financial statements that are appropriate uh, for the business that's flowing through that entity. So uh, now they have had to create, uh, you know, local organizations there. Uh, they've had to build applications that are appropriate for the Japanese legal entity. They have to submit data to the Japanese regulators. Uh, so they've had to actually, uh, you know, in various geographies, uh, do this type of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, structures, organizational structures. Now, if you sort of step back and look at it, any organizational structure, uh, you know, one of the unfortunate side effects of it is that it tends to, uh, you know, create this, this concept called a silo, right? Because now the Japanese legal entity is the separate thing. Uh, everything is actually needs to go through the set of applications that that entity has created. Uh, and and uh, those entities uh, don't have full visibility into the rest of the organization. And the rest of the organization uh, to gain visibility into the Japanese, uh, uh, entity uh, will have to wait for the reports that come from the Japanese uh, entity. So a lot of these challenges uh, uh, are uh, prevalent across all the large, uh, you know, enterprises today uh, around the world. Uh, and uh, you know, the idea behind uh, perpetual data quality is about how do you across these different organizational silos? How do you uh, across these different geographical boundaries, possibly uh, across different legal entities, still consolidate the data, make sure that you obey the local laws, uh, yet allow uh, an end-to-end -end, uh, view into uh, data workflows uh, in as uh, you know appropriate a timescale as possible, in as near real time as possible, as possible. Uh, ensure these data quality checks, uh, the ones that I actually mentioned, uh, the basic data quality check, the format-based, uh, uh, you know traditional reconciliation-based data, uh, data quality checks, and then the business logic itself-based uh, data quality. All of these are performed. Um, and the idea here is that when you look at a Fortune uh, 500 or a Fortune 1000 global uh, enterprise, uh, you want to be, uh, be able to govern and manage your global business uh, uh, using the most accurate uh, and uh, reliable data uh, across your entire organization. And the idea about perpetual data quality and active data governance is about how do you build a framework in the enterprise uh, that allows you to do this uh, in an end-to-end -end fashion. Dangesh, that was very insightful. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Um, I'm going to try my best to kind of do a quick summary here, and please let me know if I've missed anything. But I think these are so important that uh, it probably deserves maybe many more episodes to really um, highlight why, it, first of all, why things are the way they are, and also how would you go about fixing them, right? Because these are not simple problems to solve. So to begin with, I think it's important for everyone to understand that data quality essentially is speaking to the completeness, correctness, and consistency, and also timeliness of the data. But I think what's really important is that 
data quality isn't just a nice thing to have. In fact, in it, you know, it sounds very much like that it, it's an absolute must because so many things are driven from data. And so it can certainly benefit an enterprise through obviously the regulatory compliance factor, uh, increase operational efficiency, the ability to make better business decisions even, and of course, uh, highlight opportunities for digital transformation. And I think it's also important to note that perpetual data quality can only happen or can only come about from an effective data governance framework, meaning that if, he, if the framework itself isn't there, if it's not built in a, in a fashion by which data is automatically, for example, is updated or catalogs and, and, and glossaries and, and everything else is sort of perpetually built, um, uh, you know, repeatedly and opposed to things sort of being built once and then going stale, um, that this is really the only way to achieve that level of data quality. Now, our platform, of course, is an active data governance tool that um, enables users to essentially gain an end-to-end -end, uh, trust and transparency of their data and their business flow. Um, we have a ton of information on how the KeyNewform platform can benefit organizations, and I highly recommend our listeners to, again, visit our website at purenova.com forward slash KeyNewform. And uh, from there, you can certainly visit our resources section to download any um, case studies or reach our sales team. And of course, request a demo as well. But again, Gengesh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We, we hope to have you again soon so we can dive a little bit deeper into these conversations. Absolutely. Uh, it was a pleasure being on the show here, uh, Naveed and Sonia. Uh, great to be here and uh, great to uh, you know share some of these ideas with your listeners. Great. Thank you. All right, and that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Digital Switch. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service or on digitalswitch.show. Stay up to date on podcast episodes, blog posts, and all things Purenova at purenova.com, our resources section, and at Purenova Inc. on Twitter. Have a great week and stay safe, everyone. <laughs>